you know, find your groove, like specialize in that, you know, like don't be mediocre. <laughs> Medio being mediocre sucks, you know, like Jeez, make something of yourself. That. That's a highlight oh reel God. right there. Don't be mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> it's that. true it's true though it's like true it. like why why do you want to live a life of like being mediocre it sucks do something for yourself and you know make a place for yourself at least that's kind of what i want to do for myself but yeah. going live in three two you're so ugly oh my god <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to the next episode of the PT3. Uh, I'm Prab and I'm here with my friends Michael and Walid. How's it What's going, up, guys? And today we have a very special guest who was actually in the same program as us, but unfortunately we never got to cross paths, but we're here now. So um, everyone, please welcome Tina. I'm not even going to try to pronounce your last name, to be honest. But um, <laughs> uh, Tina, who am I, uni? <laughs> Who yes. am I uni? Who okay, yeah. I should have probably asked you that before. That was that's yeah, okay. Yeah, that's okay. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, Tina is a resident physiotherapist. Um, actually, how about you just introduce yourself? Okay, sure. I'll, I'll, I'm probably good at that. Of course. Uh, so I'm Tina Humayuni. Uh, yes, I'm a resident physiotherapist. I'm actually practicing at Foundation Physiotherapy and Wellness. Um, I actually am working part time in another clinic called 360 Concussion Care. Um, that's it's a new clinic that opened up in March. Um, fairly new in Toronto. Have already opened up in Ottawa. So still pretty new in that because I do also want to specialize in concussion. Um, and in terms of my background, I'm an Olympic weightlifter. Uh, probably my favorite thing to do is lift weights. I've been doing that for about three and a half years. Previous to that, I kind of done some powerlifting, um, bodybuilding, obviously. Not going to lie, don't really like bodybuilding that much. So I feel like I'm going to be kind of screwed when my body gives up on me and doesn't want to lift crazy heavy weights anymore. Um, so yeah, I guess that's a good summary of myself. Um, I also have a very adorable dog. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, oh. you will see some bits of him on my stories. Oh, I gotta um, see if this. you're lucky enough. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's adorable. <laughs> What's your dog's name? Milo. Oh. Milo Humayuni. <laughs> <laughs> let's go what a name love that <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay yeah so i guess like i'll i'll ask what exactly is olympic weightlifting for like our audience and even for myself yeah awesome um a lot of people think that olympic weightlifting is the same as powerlifting it's very different and i know myself and other people who are also weightlifters uh they're not the happiest when people kind of put them in the same umbrella because they're very, very different, just like CrossFit is very different. Um, Olympic weightlifting is basically composed of two major lifts, the uh, snatch as well as the clean and jerk. Um, so these type of components are is different than powerlifting lifts, whereas powerlifting is more like bench, uh, deadlift, and squat. With the Olympic weightlifts, for example, the snatch, it's kind of incorporates many different aspects of different lifts. So um, for example, it has a miniature deadlift at the very beginning, and then there's a pull, and then there is a overhead, uh, overhead squat. So it's kind of three into one lift. It's very, very technical. Um, that's kind of the yeah. best part of the sport is that it's super challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, you kind of have to be headstrong with it, which is also the, the fun part of it is that, you know, like if your mind's into it, you will do well. But if you have bad days, 
it does affect your lifts, but sometimes you'll be surprised that even on the bad days you do well. So it's, it's really like on and off. Um, uh, in terms of the clean and jerk there, the clean is kind of like a deadlift, except your butt is in a lower position. Um, your butt's not so high similar to, cause I, I know a conventional deadlift, your, your, uh, butt is a little higher and then you're doing a pull, which means you're, you're basically trying to pull the bar towards you. Um, there's three pulls actually, same with the snatch. Um, there, the first pull is kind of from your, uh, I guess your ankle to your knee. The second pull is from your knee to your hips. The third pull is from your hips, um, to your, I guess, chest. And you're basically shrugging to bring that at the third pole, you're shrugging to bring that bar up there. And then you are transitioning from that third pole into, um, well, once you're at the third pole, it's kind of like a front squat, right? If you're doing mm. a full clean. And then um, once you're at the front squat, you come back into the starting position to the jerk. So it's two components. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with the jerk, you're basically, mm. you're, you're driving from the down to the up. So there's what we call a triple extension. Um, mm. So basically, if any physios out there, you're basically doing I'm going to do physio talk and then I'm going to do other people talk. So if you're physio, basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to plantar flex, you're, you're engaging your quads and you're engaging your glutes, right? So it's all triple extension, extending all of those kind of components. And then you are pressing up um, into a jerk. Now, there's two types of jerks. Uh, let me know if I'm going too fast or if that's okay. No, it's all you. You're you guys perfect. following? You're perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I know it's pretty complicated, especially if you have never really seen the lifts. Yep. But there's, yeah. <laughs> but there's two types of jerks. Um, some people prefer one over the other, but the most common one is a split jerk. And basically you are pushing up from the, uh, you're kind of in a similar front squat position, except not in a front squat position, but your um, wrists are into that extension, like what you would be in a front squat. And then you're just pushing up into that triple extension and you're keeping the weight above your head while you're almost doing a lunge if that makes sense mm. yeah I've yeah, seen that. Mm. yeah. So so does, you know what does i mean that mean, so when you're when you're in that wrist extension position in that sort of like front squat starting position does the bar rest on your shoulders is that what it is right before you brace yourself into that lunge extension yeah okay. yeah except you're, you're not in a front squat i meant like your shoulders and um, wrists and everything are what you need in a front squat. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, I understand. I understand what you yeah, mean. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that's exactly it. So, uh, that's with the split jerk. Um, mm-hmm. the, the other, the power jerk, which is actually what I'm starting to do now instead of a split jerk. Cause I have a nasty shoulder injury that kind of doesn't respond well whenever I include split jerks into my programming. And basically mm-hmm. the power jerk is the same thing, the triple extension. So extending, so you're plantar flexing, using your quads to extend your knees as well as using your glutes to extend your hips. And then you are pulling the, uh, pulling, sorry, not pulling the weight. You're pushing the weight up overhead, um, but you're still kind of in the same stance. You are probably going to move your feet a little bit, but it's almost kind of like a miniature one fourth of a squat. Does that make sense? Right. Mm, yeah. yeah. Okay. It does. Yeah. Um, so when you, like you, you talked about how this is such a technical sport and from my understanding you've done olympic weightlifting for a few years at least yes so what i'm trying to get at is like what kind of like if i'm supposed to start olympic weightlifting right now what kind of preparation would i go towards would i start with something like 
powering myself through like conventional deadlifts first or do I just jump right into it just practicing the form? Um, that's a great question. Uh, I don't think there's really a right answer, but mm-hmm. if you are a powerlifter, you're probably going to do better at Olympic weightlifting or if you're a CrossFitter or a gym- gymnast because mm-hmm. you already have the strength component down. Now you just have to worry about more of the technique. Um, yeah. Gymnasts from at least all the like the best lifters out there, female lifters, they are killing the sport. Um, and I, I, I think it's because they have such core stability and shoulder mobility. You need mobility and stability at all the right places. And that's basically what gymnasts have. So um, mm-hmm. in terms of prepping to do Olympic weightlifting, one, you should probably have the good, you want good mobility or else you're going to hurt yourself because you are being in kind of vulnerable positions for your shoulders, for your hips and stuff. If you don't mm-hmm. have good hip mobility, you won't be able to go into that deep squat, which is typically what you need in an Olympic weightlifting. Um, mm-hmm. For shoulder mobility, you need to get yourself in that front rack position. Um, mm-hmm. If your your elbows kind of go too low, then that's going to make your, your lift in a vulnerable position as well. Um, and that's, I feel like a lot of people struggle with is kind of getting their mobility down. Um, <clears throat> but that shouldn't be what deters you from the sport itself. Because like, for example, I didn't really have the best mobility. I had decent, but not the best. And I think as I kept lifting, I it got a little bit better. Um, mm-hmm. lifting itself is just a great way to increase mobility, right? Cause yeah. for example, a squat, the right. more you squat, if you go, um, lower, so what we call eccentrics, you are lengthening as you're strengthening. So technically, mm-hmm. you're you're lengthening at the same time for your your like your quads and stuff, right? Um, right. So mobility is probably huge if you want to start. If if you have any like I guess deficits in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and other the other things that you want to kind of do is get a coach. I don't recommend starting Olympic weightlifting on your own because Mm -hmm. if you start with bad habits, that's just going to carry with you and it's so hard to kind of let those bad habits die. It's such Mm -hmm. a, such a technical sport. Um, Like it's, so I kind of summarize it as best as I could, but if you actually look into the mechanics, there is very like little things that if you, uh, I guess, don't do well, that can impact the whole lift. For example, the starting position is super important, and if some people lift up the hips too high, or if the if the bar doesn't go in a straight line, or you're pulling too early, that can impact your ability to kind of press the bar overhead. Either it's going too forward, it's going too be- behind you. Like all of these things, all kind of matter them matter a lot in terms of the sport, and you have to be. It's it's a challenging sport in, its, in itself, so you have to be patient. <laughs> That's yeah. all I have to say. Uh, it's definitely something that you need to be patient with because, mm-hmm. I mean, you may get newbie gains. That's that's everything. But uh, <laughs> it's it's kind of a sport that you have to really concentrate on your lifts and making sure that you video yourself to make, to see that you're you know you're progressing and your technique is there and everything so that's why I coach having like a second eye to look at all your lifts and telling you what to do especially if you're not familiar with the sport is super important right. yeah kind of going off the last thing you were talking about in terms of mobility right I remember I saw a post that you made and it was about like standard you know static stretching and things like that that mm-hmm. is pretty common in the rehab world right you said it in that post, but just for this episode as well, could you kind of uh, give some information about what you think is a better alternative to increasing mobility besides like lifting? Um, so I personally, I'm not a huge fan of static stretching, but that could be my own bias. 
But honestly, research isn't super there with the effectiveness of standing uh, static uh, stretching when it comes to active mobility, right? Mm. Like if you're if if you are um, a gymnast or something, like you always see them doing static stretching. But they also do a lot of stuff in a passive. Like for example, splits is very passive, so you do want to have like passive mobility for that. But if you care more about active, you want to do more active mobility. Um, many things actively, you can do eccentric training is probably one of my favorites. The problem is with um, eccentric training is I feel like people stop it too early and then they don't, they don't see the gains. Um, research has shown that like you should do it for a minimum of six weeks to kind of really see an, a change. And that makes sense because it takes about like, six weeks to really gain in strength too. So, you know, with eccentric training, you're, you're lengthening as you're strengthening. So mm. as you strengthen, you should be able to lengthen. So six weeks kind of makes sense. Right. Um, and they also probably don't do it as often. It's typically recommended to do it for twice a day. Um, for eccentric training, the other type of, I guess, mobility things you can do. One of my favorites that I've, that I actually want to take a course in is, um, Ken stretch. So it's kind of the concept of pails and rails. You are, um, moving into your active range and you're allowing your nervous system to kind of adapt to the new range that you have. And that's what kind of increases in that mobility that you want to see in Olympic weightlifting. Um, so I, I guess those are nice. my favorites, I would say. That would help mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We spoke a little bit about the eccentric strengthening back in our first MSK unit. Um, and I actually did a little bit of research on that too. And I'd be really interested. Um, there's not like, I didn't find a lot of research um, kind of for both ends of static stretching and the eccentric strengthening. Um, I could see how both could work, but it'd be very interesting to see more research on that or to like have you back to talk about that if that's something that you want to talk about as well. Um, because I know there's, um, a lot of kind of debate about that. Um, yeah, so just sure. taking like a step back to something you mentioned earlier, um, plateauing. So I could see how plateauing would be something pretty big in this sport. Uh, what are some ways that you deal with plateaus? Um, to be honest, my scenario is a little different because I'm injured. Like I have a low back injury. Um, my shoulder is okay now, but my, my low back injury has been making everything slow for about a year and a half. Um, I basically was not doing any Olympic lifts for a year. And um, after, so literally this, I would say October-ish is when I started back uh, lifting again. Um, so it's, my progress has been very slow. I mean, there has been challenges um, because sometimes I would have really bad back pain. I'm just like, shoot, I have to regress. And it does like impact my mental mentally I guess um, prior to that my injury in terms of plateaus it's really about programming um, I never ha had to deal with a strength kind of plateau yet because I feel like my technique is the reason why I was plateauing before um, because like I said you can be you can be a super petite person but if you have good technique you can probably lift way more than someone who is super strong right? Like the technique is everything with the weightlifting. It's efficiency. Um, a lot of the times people can't lift heavy. You'll see like a hundred kilo, kilo guys and they can't even, for example, snatch uh, 45, 50 kilogram barbells because they don't have the technique. They're not used to it, right? So it's not like a, it's not like a deadlift where you just lift it. It's, it's, 
it's everything. It's, it's technique, it's strength, it's power. It's, it's a combination of everything. So, um, if you are someone that's plateauing, it's likely because of technique, especially if you are a beginner. Um, but if, for example, you, your technique is great, um, and then it's due to strength, then you probably need to do more strength work, get your squat up. Like your, your back squat is, is highly correlated to how well you do in your snatch, right? In terms of snap, uh, and in, in terms of, um, the snatch, uh, your front squat highly correlated to how you do your clean, right? Cause mm-hmm. if you can, for example, if your max clean is 60 kilograms, I want to know what your max front squat is. It's because if mm-hmm. you can front squat it, then you can probably clean it, right? I, I mean, clean is going to be a little harder, but your front squat should not be less than your clean. Let's just say that. Right. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, that does. That does. This might be like a question that's like not entirely related, but it's more so who was your favorite like lifter for me? Like I love basketball. So when I grew up, I used to watch Kobe Bryant, like the mentality, the preparation, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Being this sport as technical as it is, who was someone that you looked up to? I have a few, to be honest. Um, I would say yeah. my favorite is Catherine Nye. She's a 71 kilogram weightlifter. I'm pretty sure she was she's probably 66 before that but she's a 71 kilogram weightlifter she is so so strong she won worlds last year uh, mm-hmm. i think it was last year before before the whole covid thing um mm-hmm. she won worlds and basically uh she did a one i think it was like a 144 clean and jerk kilograms mm-hmm. which is insane right crazy 71, insane. she's 71, 71 kilograms that's crazy and, and she did, uh, I think it was like a 114 kilogram snatch. Um, it, that's, it, yeah, it's insane. Like if you've actually seen how difficult that is, like I can't even snatch pull that. Like it's so, snatch pull is basically doing from, is basically from the starting position all the way to the third pull. You're not going into that overhead squat uh, position. Um, wow. And I can't even do that. And usually you can snatch pull way heavier than your your snatch. So she's mm-hmm. so, so strong. She was also a gymnast before, obviously, because honestly, gymnast is such a great thing to put your kids in if you want if you want them to be great at every sport. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So definitely look up to her the most. And she's so humble, too. So it's, it's nice. At least that's what I'm saying on the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> so we know you're a physio as well. So we're wondering um, how your passion as an Olympic... How your passion for Olympic weightlifting influences influences your practice as a physio right now? It's a great question. Um, I think it 100% does impact my practice. Um, I'm very, very exercise-based. Yes, I do manual therapy um, quite frequently in my routine, but it's always to, I guess, um, help with the exercise in itself. For example, do manual therapy and then get them to do an exercise they weren't able to do before. Um, so I feel like with my Olympic weightlifting background, I have a really good exercise knowledge. Um, I don't typically just get clients. I don't typically try to just get their, to fix their injury. I try to get them stronger and, you know, empower them to take control of their lives and not just succumb to all new injuries because a lot of the times, um, clients get injured because of weakness, right? Um, they don't know what to do. That's kind of the biggest barrier that I've seen, especially when I'm talking to my clients. Like, I don't, like, they want to work out. They want to do this, but they don't know how to do it. 
So I guess I use my, my background to help them. Sometimes I create programs for them. Um, sometimes I do them with discharge. I'll create a, like an exercise program for them to continue doing um, so that they can get stronger and, you know, start enjoying exercise more. Uh, I guess that's kind of how I try to relate the two. Yeah. You know what? It's crazy though. Like um, you, one of the few things that you mentioned that are like the pillars of Olympic weightlifting is like patience. So I imagine that like the nagging injuries that you've experienced that prevent you from doing what you love to do could be like a source that you can kind of go to or tap into with your patients who are experiencing something similar with their day to day. So I could definitely see what you were talking about. 100%. I always relate myself. Like I've had so many injuries in my life. Um, mm. I guess this back one has been the, the worst for me and it has been mm -hmm. the longest, but I, I always relate to my clients who also have back injuries who, for example, have chronic back pain for two years. And I tell them, Hey, I'm in the same boat. Like I understand what you're, where you're coming from. I understand how frustrating it is to not be able to do what you need to do. But I also tell them like how I'm resilient and how I've had regressions and yet, you know, with like perseverance and, you know, having a good program and having a good support system, I was able to overcome that. And that's, I guess, some experiences that I try to share with my clients so that they can relate to it more and, you know, understand that they're not alone in their situation. And I think it does help. Just out of curiosity, how did your back injury happen? Like, was it in the middle of a lift or was it kind of unrelated? Um, funny enough, it was actually, it was during, I don't know if you guys had the research unit. Yeah. I First one? Yeah. Is it, I don't um, know if you remember how, I guess, hectic it was. I think it was, it was two or three weeks of craziness, um, like lots of sedentary. Was it was, I was pretty much on my computer all the time. So it was like yeah. eight to nine hours straight of computer work. And then, um, and then I go to the gym and I work out for two hours and it's just like, I guess, how being very sedentary translates to lifting super heavy for two for two hours and i think my body was just not okay with it um and i like it also i think it's also technical issues i wouldn't say my technique was perfect back then i my technique is 100 times better now than it was then because i you know have to be more diligent on and focusing on it so i don't get injured again yeah of course. um so the biggest thing for me was that I was lifting a lot with my back and not using my my glutes, my my quads, and et cetera, right? And that's really important if you want to lift heavy weights. You have to be able to learn how to offload and you know create and have that nice you know neutral spine. Not lift your back. Don't bring your hips too high because often that's because you're lifting with your back. You know what I mean? Um, so that was I think that's the biggest thing, and it was repetitive. So I was doing that ongoing like three days a week lifting like that and I it's it probably not a one 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 occurrence it's probably multiple occurrences I still don't yeah. know exactly if I have a disc injury it could be originally I thought it was more a, like a strain um but who knows <laughs> don't know at this point so, so how have you modified your weightlifting to kind of also account for your back pain or when that happens with your clients as well like do you like, what do you change or modify? 100%. That's a great question. Um, I have a great coach. <laughs> uh, so he helps me a lot in terms of what to modify. The one thing um, I really, really respect about my coach is that he doesn't make me stop. He just modifies it. And I think that's really important as a lifter. And that's kind of I find the gap in physio world is that we always tell people to stop. 
But the truth is stopping is not always the answer. Um, for me, it wasn't. I stopped for a year and I didn't see any changes. And it almost felt like any time I was using the barbell, despite stopping for so long, I kept my, my back kept hurting. So actually what I've done was I started to sensitize, desensitize myself towards the barbell. It was very fear avoidant, right? Because people kept telling me, you know, like disc injuries, it's really harmful, all that kind of stuff. Um, that's back when I was a student, right? So like, you don't know any better and you just go with what people say and then you start, and then you get scared of lifting the barbell again. That's basically what happened. And that's a huge, it's a huge impact on lifters. Like, especially because Olympic weightlifting is such a technical and mental sport, right? Like if I'm, if I'm scared of putting that barbell over my head, like that's going to impact how my, how, how I'm going to feel pain. Um, so I guess I would say how I modified it was just desensitizing myself and, you know, making sure that I use the 24 hour rule. Does my pain increase more than 24 hours? Uh, no. So that's okay. So I, I, so I'm like, okay, that's a good weight for me. Or how, um, does it linger for 24 hours? Oh, no. Did it go more than four out of 10 out of pain? No. Okay. So that's a good weight for me. That's kind of how I desensitized myself. And that was the best method for me. If I didn't do that, I probably wouldn't be lifting right now because that's anytime I touched a barbell, that was, it was, it was, my back was hurting. So yeah. And now I don't have any back pain at rest. It's really such just sometimes when I lift. Yeah. I think that's really important to, like, I wish more people knew that, right? Because I think a lot of people, they've just been, I guess, taught that all pain is bad. And so as soon as they kind of have any, even like one out of 10 pain, they just stop doing everything, but then they end up getting worse. Right. And I've had similar experiences with myself. So like, I don't know, I wish, um, we could kind of educate more people on that, which I guess we, the only way for us to do is with our patients, right? Like that's the best way to make sure that they, they understand that. 100%. Like just feel like in terms of that, cause I, this is something that I guess is what I want to change in the physio community. Um, and like, for example, deadlift, people are so afraid of deadlifting because they're going to hurt your back because mm -hmm. they had a previous injury. But if you don't ever start deadlifting again, then how are you ever going to get better at it? Do you know what I mean? Like, you yes. have to introduce mm -hmm. it. I understand sometimes there is a point where, you know, you need to stop lifting for whatever reasons because you are in a inflammatory stage it's really bad you can't move you're like you have a back injury right like you're limping and all that kind of stuff yeah you want to tone everything down lifting is probably not a good thing but it, you know like you want to start introducing it like if you have full range of motion you're doing your exercise and stuff don't make them afraid of it <laughs> you know what i mean that's like the worst thing you can do you do not want to yeah, create fear yeah. avoidance because that will just impact them and not make them want to lift again and like for something like me like lifting is i would say a big chunk of my life it's what brings me happiness taking that away from me is like taking <laughs> taking the reason why i wanted to go into physio in the first place you know like it's it's really trying to figure out how to work with the athlete rather than just telling them no you can't do it it's bad for you you know what i mean yeah and like even with things like deadlifts right deadlift squats right they're very functional eventually you're going to lift something off the floor or you're going to squat exactly. down so if you're not if you're not going to deadlift now and because you're scared of hurting your back, you're going to kind of lower the tolerance of your back to any load. And then maybe you'll blow your back out like shoveling snow or something. Like, you know exactly. what I mean? Like, it's going to come back eventually. It's just you're kind of choosing whether to deal with it now rather than later. Exactly. Like, I don't know if you guys heard of clinical athlete, but they talk about this a lot. And, you know, they do. They, they're very, very evidence based. And um, if you join their forum, they they constantly talking about like modifying activities rather than getting people to stop obviously this is 
this is patient like specific like it really depends on the person but more often I can I can bet you can probably find something to modify rather than telling them to stop and at least it doesn't you know sensitize them to think that that type of lift is bad and then you slowly introduce it back when you know you think that the lifter is ready and you're fixing why they got injured in the first place it's almost like the the classic example that we talk about in school with osteoarthritis like you have patients come in they're like oh this hurts so much when i do these exercises or when i walk right and they create that fear avoidance be like no it's okay to do the exercise it's okay to walk you know you don't want your pain you know super high through the roof but a little bit's okay and we don't want you to stop doing that exercise so i feel like it's very similar to this it's like oh i'm doing the deadlifts they really hurt or not they really hurt but they're a little bit painful um should i stop doing them and then you assess you determine that oh maybe it's okay and then you go from there so i feel like this is kind of similar to that 100 percent. it's like graded exposure right great exposure is for everything it's not just for someone that has chronic pain or, or uh, persistent pain right um if if you can't do a deadlift can you do a romanian deadlift can you just do a hinge on the wall with a kettlebell yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like there's so many ways to modify and introducing, changing it. Like, can you reduce the range of motion? Can you reduce the weight? Can you just use a band? Like there are things that you can change. You don't need to just be like barbell deadlift conventional. That's the only way that you have, you can do it. And that's it. You know what I mean? But you have to be knowledgeable about them too. So it's, it's up to kind of the, the physiotherapist to kind of know what the different types are. Um, because I don't think if you're not really a strength expert, not many people do know, right? If, if like working out is not something that's meant for you and people don't know what to do. And I think, I really do think that physio like school needs to incorporate some type of strength and conditioning principles because, you know, it's not separate from physiotherapy. It's actually very much in- integrated and it should, people should know more about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. We don't have any of those specific like exercise classes. We've had a few exercise prescription ones, but Nothing's talked to us about like Olympic weightlifting or form for that. So I agree. I think that'd be very, I think it's important and something that physio schools should incorporate. To be honest, so. I've, I've learned most of like the exercises that I know off Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> like same. off there like physio accounts <laughs> and stuff. But to be honest, like I don't think it's necessary for physio school to talk about Olympic weightlifting, but it's more important about the strength and conditioning principles. You know, like yeah. exercise prescription, like, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's so much more than just that. Like if you don't know like the foundation or if, if you don't go to the, the gym or you don't do exercise at home or whatever, like sometimes you haven't even been exposed to it yet. You know it's what true, I mean? It's true. So that's the thing. So I feel like the for exposure real. is helpful, but I get it. Yeah. You know, they have the reasons for why, you know, oh, this exercise, do this exercise for this. It's like, cause then we'll all be doing the same thing. Right. Like I get that, but yeah, I feel like we well, need that, that exposure too. It's hard because there's not enough time. That's the issue. Two years of the masters, we can't do everything. So they try to Mm -hmm. do the things that are most important. That's completely understandable. If there was more time, like then I feel like that probably would have been, would have been incorporated. But, um, I think, I personally think that I feel like this, this physio school masters is going to be eventually a three or four year degree because there's, it should be, it should be because there's so many things that are, I feel like I'm missing and we're doing all these postgraduate courses anyways, but we're paying for them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like yeah. if it was just part of a school, like what I guess um, the U.S. do is that a four-year degree, they, they incorporate all that stuff. They have strength and conditioning most often in, in the schools, in the U.S. schools. And that's why they, they know about this so much more. Um, I guess that's the only, I guess, 
gap that we have at, in, in in Canada is that we don't really have that. We don't really talk about it, even though it's just so important. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like that's something yeah. we've kind of all been thinking about as we're kind of coming to the end of the program, right? We're all kind of facing this, I guess, dilemma about, oh, I feel like we should, <clears throat> if we're graduating right now, I feel like we should know more. But um, as a recent grad, what's your advice for people or like young people like ourselves who are about to, you know, start working and start their professional life? What's your advice for that transition? And maybe you can share some of the pitfalls or things to look out for that you've experienced. Mm -hmm. You may feel like you're not ready, but I bet you, you are. Like U of T does do a great job of preparing you. You just kind of have to like, let yourself fly a little bit if that makes sense like um it, it does feel overwhelming i completely was in your shoes but the i guess the biggest thing i would i would recommend is really know your clinical patterns that's going to mm -hmm. really help you as a student and when you want to work in the real world um because you don't want to see a hip flexor someone complaining of pain in their hip flexor and just think hip flexor you want to know the differentials because there's so many other things that's going on and you know sometimes it does depend on what the diagnosis is a lot of the times you'll notice that it's really treating the symptoms um but sometimes diagnosis does matter if it's inductive strain and you're treating the hip flexor do you know what i mean like there's yeah. there's many things yeah. that are going on so you should really know your differentials well and uft does a great job on doing the you know clinical patterns so i actually always look at my um, clinical patterns notes when I kind of do my own, when I like treat clients, sometimes I'm like, oh, like, could it be this? Yeah, it could probably be this, you know, it's really relevant. So make sure you do your research on that. Like don't, um, don't half-ass it, um, know them pretty well. I mean, in the real world, it's, it's going to be different, but it's good to have a framework for you to build on and, you know, see what it could, I don't know, what, it, what, what it could be when you're seeing a client. That's the biggest kind of thing so that you feel prepared. The hardest thing is when you feel ill-prepared and you're nursing your first clients. You know what I mean? Mm, um, yeah. That, that'll be difficult. And I, that's probably what you guys are all afraid of. It's like, I don't know anything, but trust me, you do. You know way more than them. <laughs> Let's just say that, right? <laughs> yeah, true. You, you do. You know way more than them, okay? You did two years of physio school. They've done none. And I bet you guys are doing like, you're, you know, you're doing all the right things. You're... For example, you three, you're doing podcasts, you're, you're talking to people, you're learning. That's the biggest thing is don't just stick to what you know. Try to explore a little bit too, right? Because that, that in itself can help a lot. Um, for myself, the biggest thing for me is that I do a lot of research on my own time, but that's because I love it. And I picked, I guess, a career that I love, but also the what I want to specialize. Like I want to specialize more... You know, and like rehab for lifters, like like for powerlifters, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit, bodybuilding, all that kind of stuff. So my research is very much, you know, related to that. And it makes me kind of happy to do all that research. It makes me happy to spend, you know, one one hour a day, two hours a day on looking up things because, you know, I feel like this is going to make me a better physio. So my advice to you guys is find what you like a lot. Um, if you're really interested in dance, you know, find your groove, like specialize in that, you know, like don't be mediocre. <laughs> Medio being mediocre sucks, you know, like Jeez, make something of yourself. That. That's oh a highlight reel God. right there. Don't be mediocre. 
<laughs> I love it's that. true. Story. It's true though. It's like true. That. Like why why do you want to live a life of like being mediocre? It sucks. Do something for yourself and, you know, make a place for yourself. At least that's kind of what I want to do for myself. But yeah. I'm inspired. I'm very inspired yeah. right now. I'm gonna go excel <laughs> in all areas of life. You will. You, you will. Put your mind into it. Ugly. Motivate motivational time with Tina. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm definitely it's not the lifting physio anymore. It's motivational. Motivational, Tina. yeah. <laughs> David Goggins, you know. <laughs> I know for sure I'm gonna start my clinical patterns though. 100%. Do it. Yeah, I'll be, it's I'll be really important. The clinical patterns has been on the back burner for me. 100%. Because like the biomechanics is like in the forefront. Yeah. Because I suck with biomechanics like like I'm not good with it, right? So like clinical patterns is just like, yeah, like whatever. Like one day before the test, like I'll go through it. Yeah, just like presentations. Oh, yeah, I know, but they're important. So actually, do your work. Do your homework. I know, I know. I needed that. I make. Thank you. um, My extra recommendation for you guys is create an Excel document and Mm -hmm. write all your clinical patterns in there, um, and then divide it by Mm -hmm. the joint of the body. That will Mm -hmm. help a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. That's good to know. For 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 school too. Clinical patterns are just yes. They're just, um, we get like cases for school and we're in groups and we kind of have to go through the whole case um, and sort of come up with like our assessment, our treatment plan um, and sort of we kind of present it to the class and we come up with a few different differential diagnoses and then the whole treatment plan for that. So everyone has like access to it and we all learn a little bit about all the different areas of the body and different things that we could be treating and paying attention to. So there's a little summary oh yeah true yeah our audience because i feel that. like if there's other listeners they won't know what the clinical patterns are there was something that you mentioned like very early on about how um the sport is very technical from what i understand you also mentioned that we need a coach mm-hmm. like if you were to get into olympic weightlifting so one of the things that i noticed on your page was that um you created like webinars to perfect like the push-up or like perfect the pull-ups and you went through like all the details, all the muscles, all the pore forms and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I know the answer to this question, but will you ever host like a webinar to like master some of the lifts for Olympic weightlifting or like open up the door to people um, as beginners for Olympic weightlifting? Or do you think it's just too dangerous to do it like virtually? Oh yeah, 100% of people want it. Um, it has to be there. Has to be an interest, but it would never be called master to Olympic weightlifts. It's going to be It would be introduction to Olympic weightlifts, right? Olympic weightlifting, because I mean, can't I, one webinar is not going to get you to master it. It's going to be impossible to do it. Um, I guess the webinar, if if I were to create it in the future, it'd be mm, it'd probably be more geared to the beginners, and you know not with any weight and just like what it is and like what you can do to or like mobility wise what mobility you need to you know start your weightlifting career or something or if you want to start weightlifting um, more geared to that I mean I haven't really put much thought into it because I haven't really thought of creating a webinar in regards to that but if there is interest in it I would be willing to do it for sure why not awesome I would definitely watch it for sure because I think it would still help me with my mobility like my shoulders like jacked up now my mobility is horrible I'll need that yeah I'll maybe I'll just do a webinar on mobility so <laughs> how do you increase me. mobility my, Let's my do it right now. just treats for my shoulder it's just horrible no mobility. yeah but 
Do you have mobility or do you have a stability issue? Uh, both. Boom. I don't have the mobility and the stability in my left shoulder is just not there. Because mm, sometimes yeah. it could be um, like you may have no, no mobility because, you know, another joint has too much mobility. That Like you're, you're holistically speaking, your body, it's not, it's never just one joint, like everything's connected and usually they're related in some way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Let's diagnose Michael right now. I'm getting diagnosed through yeah. an episode <laughs> on the bottom of it. Brian, Brian, my roommate Brian, he is getting there day by day. He's getting closer to the diagnosis. Um, <laughs> well, uh, I'll send him this podcast. He can listen to it and then he'll be like, oh, let's think about some of the things. Um, <laughs> kind of the last little bit here. Um, we're just wondering if there's anything else you'd like to share with the audience um, any other like parting words you have before we kind of close off? I guess, sure. Um, biggest thing is just don't give up. I mean, Motivational Tina is back in the game. Um, Let's go. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready. I mean, you're going to face a lot of challenges in life um, and it might make you want to stop, whether that is working out, whether that is physio, whether that's school. Um, but you got to keep going because, you know, I don't want to be cliche, but you only do have one life. And if you kind of don't live up to the best that you can, then why bother even doing anything? Wow. Big words. <laughs> wow. Not that living, not living a mediocre life, right? Yeah. Don't, don't be mediocre. <laughs> For real. I'm going to get that changed. I'm going to get that tatted on me. Podcast. I'm going to get a shirt. I'm going to make some... A clothing line so make if you guys a, ever want to order it yeah make that's a hoodie merchandise right there. i swear to god i that's would buy merchandise it right there like it's gonna say i would um, yeah don't be mediocre dash um at the lifting physiotina and like an instagram logo that's yeah, so good perfect yeah i'm gonna do it okay let's do that let's do that we'll promote it that's so thanks funny. guys <laughs> well uh thanks so much for you know coming on and sharing yeah. with us i feel like i learned a lot from that like i did not yeah we, we appreciate your time was, we appreciate yeah. you yes thank you and thank, thank you, you for, for the, having me of course thank you for the motivation and uh, i hope whoever is listening i hope you guys took away some wow. some good things as well from the episode and as usual um the link is going to be in the bio if you have any ideas for topics please let us know and this has been the PC3. Peace, everyone. Bye. Bye.